Welcome to Ausfilm Creatives, a podcast about Australian creatives working behind the camera. My name is Peter Sylvester and I'm your host. Welcome back to today's episode and today we have Alex Preuss who's a director, uh, has done some phenomenal films like iRobot, The Crow, uh, Dark City uh, and more recently Gods of Egypt. So he's um, yeah he's had some amazing uh, films and and uh, as a teenager I I grew up on a lot of his films and uh, yeah so it's I'm really keen to have a chat to him. Today's episode might not be so much about his career as, as a film director but also a bit more about what's our future looking like what are we can we do during this period of the coronavirus uh, lockdowns in globally and discuss some of the uh, issues and looking towards the future so yeah enjoy welcome to the podcast alex it's wonderful to have you on board i'm a huge fan of your work i grew up on your work so i won't go too much with the fanfare but the, i guess the, <laughs> <laughs> I, the the biggest question i guess uh, for me at the moment is you've made so many films you've been uh what 40 years now in the making short films music clips and movies what does what what is it that keeps you going that you love about the filmmaking process? Well, hello, Peter, and thank you very much for that lovely introduction. Um, I, look, I I uh, filmmaking is really the ultimate art form. You know, it combines every other art form, and I and I'm a you know I I, I love all forms of art. You know, I I draw and I paint and I love making music, though I make it very badly and. Um, love writing, uh, you know, so filmmaking is the one medium that kind of brings it all together. And I've sort of been aware aware of that from, from day one, you know, when I first started making films as a kid, um, how it encompasses all other art forms and sort of brings them all under the one umbrella. So, you know, it's the ultimate challenge for any artist. And of course, being the commercial medium that that it is, it's it's an even tougher challenge, you know. So... I think I, I think I like to be challenged, and and uh, it's you know it's something that you never really get good at. You know, you you sort of improve, but I, I think you know you you are you are you're always learning. You're always sort of like um, developing as a as a filmmaker, and I think that's uh, another reason why I, I like the medium so much. You know. Yeah, one thing that I I like, like you mentioned about the learning process, I think. It's that continual discovery that you you do through the creative medium of filmmaking, and I mean even music and every others, but filmmaking because there's so many different things put together to make a film. Um, yeah, of course, and even even more so now um, in, in this new age we find ourselves in, because you know where uh, the technology is changing so quickly. You know we're able to do this sort of stuff, and uh, you know this is all kind of. Um, uh, still knew me the the whole you know the doing things online um but i think it's the way of the future and i think that's a steep very steep learning curve for for people like me who've come from um you know the 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 film days uh learning how to use all the new gear and bringing it all together and streamlining the whole production process um so we're still discovering new ways we're still learning which i think is uh is great actually fantastic and you you're specifically obviously you've done the role of director you, you used to shoot 
in your early days, I assume, as we all do. Um, what is it that you'd actually love specifically about directing? Um, well, I mean, you know, the director's the, the guy in guy or girl in charge, you know, and uh, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm a real believer in the, in the auteur. I, I feel like, um, you know, sadly these days, uh, you know, the, the Hollywood and just the sort of financial side of the industry kind of belittles the role of the auteur. But I, I equate it to like uh, a musician, you know, you can, when you hear a musician, uh, an instrumentalist play an instrument, you can feel their sort of soul through that instrument, you know. Um, and if they're particularly good at it, they, you know, even more so. Um, and I think a film director should be the same kind of thing. Obviously, uh, you know, collaborating with a with a with a you know often a large group of of uh, very talented people who who's um, Who's uh, you know contributing? Who are contributing enormously to the to the final product, of course, but it's it should be the director's vision. You know the 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 meaning in the work really should come through uh, the what the director has to to bring to the to the table, um, and um, you know this is something that is kind of considered almost old-fashioned in uh, the film world these days. Um, but I'm hoping we can bring that sort of way of working back. I think it's a really important part of making film uh, still relevant to, to, uh, to today's era and into the future. So would you say, um, or what I'm asking question, is that what I found on set is that maybe it's a little bit too dem democratic like everyone has too much opinion and, and rather than having that focus that their singular vision is so important to, to bring through the, the film or is it something more that, that you're talking about the old school? Uh, well, well, I don't think it's, I don't think filmmaking should be a democracy. I think it should be a, a you know, a, a fascist dictatorship by someone <laughs> who knows or a, a, bene a benevolent dictatorship, let's say. <laughs> By someone who, who actually knows what they're doing, you know, um, yeah. that's the important part. Is the director needs to be clearly someone in control and in command of the medium, and and understanding how it works and understanding what they're doing. Um, and and you know that's not always the case. You know, you, it doesn't matter how experienced you are. You, you there are still moments when you know you, you're you're searching, you're discovering, and you're not quite sure the direction you're taking. Um, and you, you certainly open yourself up to to the to the opinions of um, of others on the crew, you know, trusted opinions. Um, but I think a crew uh, very quickly loses respect for a director who is not in charge and does not know what they're doing. In my experience, the better the crew, the the better the the the, the, the other artists that you're collaborating with, uh, the more they want your leadership and your clear vision. Of, of of where you want to take things, you know, and and they res they respect that even more. So, if a if a rather than a dictatorship, if a mutiny occurs on the set, it's usually because the director isn't in charge and doesn't know what they're doing and is being ruled by, you know, certainly on big Hollywood movies is being ruled by the puppet master, producers and studio executives, you know, which is a 
you know, it, it's a it's a real uh, epidemic these days in in the way films are made, particularly big films are made in Hollywood. Which brings me to your channel, your YouTube channel, Mystery Clock Cinema, um, where I guess you have that hundred percent control of what you're outputting on your channel. Uh, what is your goal with that with that channel, and what did you want the audience to get out of? you producing the small content that, you know, beautiful little, I don't know what you call them, essays that you, you do about thoughtful essays about the filmmaking process. Yeah, it's a it's an ever-evolving beast, you know. I mean, I, I my, my attitude towards it changes constantly as our industry is changing <laughs> constantly. You know, I started it about a couple of years ago and I, I came fairly late in the piece. I, I had, you know... I have a lot of friends who have been doing it for some time and who are much better at it than me, um, um, and a lot of uh, you know others obviously out there that I whose work I, I admire through that medium. Um, so I just sort of I just chucked on a bunch of old short films that I had just because I just thought, well, that's you know what, how else are people going to see this stuff? And I knew a lot of people were were interested in in seeing them. Um, but but it's it's kind of it's evolved into very much as you say over the the last couple of years into something that is kind of a an an, ex, an artistic expression that I'm really enjoying doing um, and I'm sort of slowly ramping it up into into all sorts of other areas. I'm about to do a my first um, live stream tomorrow actually to try and answer people's questions directly. Um, and I, I think it's a really viable alternative in many ways. You know, I used to make commercials and music videos years ago, and um, you know, be, between movies, um, that that medium is not not really that available to me anymore um, for many reasons. Um, but this is kind of my alternative now because I, I I like I like shooting stuff. You know, I like filming stuff and making film and. Um, with the feature films, they take so long to to develop, to write, to then finance. That's the real <laughs> hard part these days. Um, that you get as a filmmaker, you get pretty frustrated. And you know, the commercials and videos were a lovely sort of outlet. You know, that I could have sort of little fix of filmmaking between the big movies. You know, um, so this has become my sort of alternative to that, which is why I'm kind of embracing it. And I also think now, um, in particularly in our current crisis, but the way things were going anyway um, in the film industry, and this has been exacerbated and, and highlighted by the this uh, this pandemic that's hit us all, and this whole notion of self-isolating and creative isolation, which is one, what one thing I've been really interested in discussing. It's you know this sort of like me in a room shooting a movie, making a, a little film. Completely on my own, um, uh, and editing it all on my own, and putting it out there, and getting people to see it, to me is like a pretty viable way of making films, and and at the moment maybe the only viable <laughs> way of making films, quite quite frankly. Mm. Well, yeah, and it's an interesting idea to YouTube for me because uh, talking about like making your own piece of work, uh, the biggest part i guess for us filmmakers is how do we actually continue to have a career and get paid like i'm a cinematographer and i do do my own little projects but you know i am reliant on working with a director and you know other people um that's sort of the, the interesting thing with youtube that 
I'm not sure if maybe that's an avenue for filmmakers or even if, if uh, YouTube's owned by Google, if Google actually took on board this idea of, well, you produce f films on YouTube they and, and you can kind of make a little bit of money or they pay you because it's, it's sort of like old school TV. It's got ads on it. But the beauty of it is that the audience gets to watch it for free. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is definitely democratising the whole process of, of, of making films, actually not so much making films, but getting films out there to, a, to a, uh, an audience. Um, uh, and, you know, look, it's, it's, it is the way of the future. I don't know whether YouTube itself is the ultimate uh, service provider for, for independent filmmakers. I very much doubt it. I just mm. don't think it's, you know, YouTube appeals to people uh, with very short, uh, well, let's, let's be frank, with very short attention spans, you know, um, it seems to be the old. The things that are most successful on YouTube are, are um, you know, very short, short uh, essays, as you call them, or, or people make, you know, cooking or whatever stuff people do, ex explainer type videos, whatever people do on YouTube. They're the things that seem to be most successful. And then there's people like PewDiePie, who I don't really <laughs> understand. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there. Yeah, it makes no sense to me at all. Um, <laughs> But um, but you know, a dramatic film, narrative film is, is you know, if they're very short, yes, they have a bit of an audience. Um, it's it's unlikely you're going to generate enough um, income as a filmmaker from streaming or your video, your short film on YouTube. Highly unlikely. You know, the mm. short film still is a medium that is uh, is tough to to earn a living through making. You know. Um, um, that's not to say that someone won't come along and work out how to do it. I mean, it's, it's, it is, it is, you know, it's, it's constantly surprising me the whole medium, but I think there's probably a better uh, format, a better, a better platform, which maybe hasn't even been invented yet um, mm. for to, to, to that's specifically for filmmakers and for, um, for, for narrative uh, uh, dramatic film, you know, um, feature films, et cetera. Um, I don't think it exists yet. I mean, mm. I've been, it's something that is definitely of interest to me in this, again, in this age where the, the, the you know, the cinemas may not survive this pandemic. You know, there's so many mm. of them are, are uh, you know, the, the big chains, the big chains in China, uh, Wanda in China and uh, AMC in the US are, are, are about to go broke. Um, mm. And uh, that might be the death knell of, um, the multiplex, you know, um, it, it, it may be something because who knows how long that this pandemic is going to go on for. So we desperately need another another medium for that services filmmakers. It ain't Netflix, mm. it ain't Amazon, it ain't any of the the current streamers because they're they're really tough to for filmmakers to earn a, a, an income from. You know, it's mm. a one time basis. You know, it's the whole nature of um, of film artists generally, not just film directors and film writers, but mm. everyone across the board. You know, we, we are, you know, we're casual employees. You know, the, the Australian government is not supporting us in any way. The whole film industry doesn't support us in any way on an ongoing basis. You know, um, I, I've been pretty lucky over the years. There was this, this thing called um, residuals that we 
feature filmmakers got. Mm. Um, the DGA and the WGA fought very hard in the US for for these residuals because they realised that, you know, we, as 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 professional Hollywood filmmakers, which I I have been over the years, you know, our, our income is very sporadic. You know, mm. like everyone else in the film industry. You know, yes, we get paid very handsomely um, when we're making um, a, a feature film. You know, the the first day of shooting. You know, my 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 bank balance reads breathes a sigh of relief, you know. Um, yeah. My accountant does as well. Um, but but literally, that what you get paid through the shoot and the post of a feature film has to last you for many many years mm. until you until you uh, you know you make the next the next payday. You know, um, sometimes their next payday may never come. You don't, you never know. You never know what's going to be your last Hollywood professional Hollywood film. Because you're treated as a casual employee as much as anyone, you know. Mm. Um, so, so residuals tied it as tied would tide us over that that problem. You know, it was residuals were derived from DVD home video sales. Well, guess what? That market is completely tanked in the last mm. couple of years. That's that's gone. And Netflix, who still happily stream our our product that we've created don't pay pay residuals right mm. so suddenly my my any income stream i might have had between movies has gone to zero mm. in the last few years you know um and it's the same with every every professional filmmaker you know so so you know people look at me and go oh well he's he's rich he's made some <laughs> big movies but i don't see any profit from my movies though i've had officially percentage points in in my contracts with with my major films, but iRobot, which is my most um you know successful movie uh, uh, by far, you know has made you know in today's dollars has made a billion dollars mm. right in terms of um uh, you know original theatrical and and then uh, ancillary um, uh, markets after afterwards um. I get these hilarious little reports from 20th Century Fox or whatever they're called now, um, and uh, which which basically is you know you you look down at all the creative accounting at the bottom it has mm. profit participation zero. I've been getting those for 15 years. You know the movie still has not made any profit according to to the Fox accountants. You know, well this is just <laughs> absurd. It's it's not absurd. It's actually obscene. Yeah. And this is the case with every every filmmaker, not just me. Um, mm. The creative accountants, you know, have 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 made sure we make absolutely nothing from the films that we've put so much effort into. You know, um, yeah. apparently Star Wars is still in the red. <laughs> yeah, look, everything's in the red. You know. Yeah. Um, Spinal Tap is still in in the red, um, and you know they took uh, one of the, the the filmmakers on Spinal Tap took the their um, distributors to to court and fought a, 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 a I don't know what the outcome was, but often people will fight the battle. I've had a couple of friends who fought who fought a legal battle to get some profit participation off very successful films and mm. TV series they've been involved with, and um, some of them have lost, so they've wow. spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of their own money. They've not been able to prove that being, there's been creative accounting, um, because the studios have have more expensive lawyers than they can possibly afford. Mm. Um, they lose they lose that 
that um, the the court case they have to pay um, all the fees of the of the studio, and then they, they destroy their their careers because no one wants to work with them anymore because yeah. they're uh, they're troublemakers, you know. So that's the uh, the no win position that filmmakers are, are often in, you know. Mm. But the interesting thing that maybe with this uh, epidemic, like you mentioned, that that uh, cinemas will die and I'll, I'll come to an interesting point that I learned from an advisor for cinema uh, after this but it's interesting that the box office and all that is what a lot of the you know Hollywood studios kind of rely on so what happens there I mean like now that this most likely cinemas are going to get in so much trouble that they they literally have to shut doors permanently um, you know the whole Hollywood system kind of Based on that, I know, I know there's all these other sales, distribution, you know, streaming and all that stuff, but that's a that's a huge chunk that they rely on. Well, the writing the writing has been on the wall cinemas for some time, and uh, you know, I, I I mean, I'm as surprised as any that that um, the, the 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 coronavirus is going to probably going to kill the cinemas because I always thought it was going to be the I thought it was going to be the superhero that was going to kill the cinemas. <laughs> you know, that's what yeah. I've been saying for the last couple of years because. That we you know, superhero has been um, uh, an all-pervasive genre, as we know. And my uh, my fear that I've been expressing for some time is that without any alternative genres being developed, because the super studios have only been interested in making superhero movies, um, that there would be nothing out the other end once that cycle finished. Once that cycle was over and the audiences were actually sick of it and bored with it, which is, um, you know, it, it's inevitable. That happens with every genre. Mm. You know, in the past, Hollywood has had other genres that have been bubbling along concurrently. And so when the Western dies, they go, well, we've still got a cop movie, you know, the, the detec detective movie or whatever. We can still make more of those or something else. Or, my God, we might still make a, an original movie, whereas... The original movie has just died. No one's interested in financing those movies anymore, mm. you know. And and sadly, audiences are, are less than excited about seeing them, you know, which has exacerbated that that problem, you know. Um, so that's what I thought was going to happen: is that the once the superhero cycle was over, there'd be nothing left on the other side, and then there would be no reason for people to go to the cinema at all because they'd have everything on on the streaming services, you know. Well, that's looks like it's going to happen sadly it's going to happen because mm. of this pandemic um it's going to be pushed along and it's going to happen quicker than i than i even anticipated you know now i love the big screen i started making mm. movies because um of seeing a presentation of a movie on a big screen with an audience a full room of people all enjoying the same common experience that's what I fell in love with as a, as a kid, and that's what I wanted to make. And I wanted to, that big sound and the big image, et cetera, et cetera. And also that experience with being in a room full of other people, laughing, being frightened, being excited, that feeling that energy that you get from the buzz you get from an audience, you know. Um, um, but at the same time, that medium has been kind of dominated and ruled by financial um, forces that filmmaker, individual filmmakers can no longer uh, fight, can no longer um, mm. collaborate with, can no longer make what they need to make, which is, you know, from my point of view, work that has 
some kind of meaning that's an original story that is a story that only I could tell, that I could bring something of my own um, abilities to, you know, um, not a traffic cop assignment to do another sequel for, a you know, Captain America or whatever mm. crap is being offered to people these days, you know. Mm. Um, so, so because the medium is no longer supporting that kind of filmmaking, I go, well, you know, streaming looks pretty good. Not that Netflix and, and Amazon and all these groups are rising to that occasion. It seemed for a moment they were, mm. but they've already clamped down on how creative and how interesting the, the, the work that they are financing is, you know. So that's why I say a new thing has to, has to emerge. Something new has to appear on the horizon, and and uh, and you know I, I hope to God that it, it it appears soon. And you know you're right. Maybe this this crisis will spur that new medium forward. You know. Yeah, and the other interesting thing yeah, I learned about cinema is that I had a discussion with uh, someone who advises for you know the main chains, and. I said to him, well, you know, why, why are cinemas, like, happy to have all these empty seats? Why wouldn't they come up with, like, a similar to Netflix, like a subscription? You get six movies, you know, for $30, $30 a month or something. And he, he basically said to me he's been trying to convince them to bring in, obviously, smaller films and giving them run, runs. And he just said all they care about is that tentpole film. And they're happy that that one film is going to pay the rest of the fee for the year, which to me seems... Like from a business point of view, seems illogical almost. I mean, I don't understand, and so that's probably the other part of this whole issue with cinemas now being shut. Like that's where they they relied on that kind of thing, and now that people, I don't know, will probably stop going to the cinemas even even though because there's going to be too many films trying to be released all in one go, then people don't have the time for that. Um, you know, and that's the where the streamers really have come into, um, where people can watch it whenever they want. So, like, I agree with you. I think someone, someone, or people have to get together and, and create a real disruption in the system. Um, but the problem is, you need money for that. <laughs> uh, you do, and and uh, you know, look, so try this this thing of of selling subscriptions to cinemas in the states and it was a service i forget what it was called um it lasted for a few months and and then the it went out of business they just couldn't afford to do mm. it um, um but look you know the exhibitors uh the 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 the, the, the cinema chains are the their worst own worst enemies mm. because they are doing whatever they need or they you know up until now they have been doing whatever they needed to 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 get those tentpole movies to the point where, you know, Disney would say, uh, well, you know what, if you want the next Star Wars movie, we want 65% or 75% of the of the, of the box office, mm -hmm. you know, um, more and more, you know. And so the cinemas were basically making their, their income through sheer numbers, you know, bums on seats, sheer numbers through the door, buying popcorn and ice cream and everything else, you know. Um, at the concessions, um, and and that's not a sustainable business, you know. Mm. Now, from Disney's point of view, they don't care because they can see, you know, they're, they're smart people. I'll give them that. <laughs> they can see the way this is all going. They've seen it for some time. 
they didn't start the Disney streaming service for no good reason because everyone else was doing it. They did it because, you know, eventually the next Star Wars movie or whatever is still alive after this madness um, that they want to um, put on theatrically. Well, you know, their plan was, you know what, maybe they won't put it on theatrically. Maybe they'll just go straight to their streaming service where they can retain 100% of the profits mm. rather than 75% of the profits, you know. Um, that would be the death knell of the, the theatres anyway, which is why, you know, another reason why I've said the superheroes were going to kill the the, the, the the cinema chains, you know. Um, it is now, um, I, you know, I'm... You know, I'm really questioning, as are many people, whether there are going to be cinema chains still standing in three months or six months or 12 months or however long this thing goes on for. You know, and just to be alarmist for a moment, I mean, <laughs> the coronavirus, you know, COVID-19 is like we don't know whether that's going to be gone after this period of self-isolation or whether it's going to be a recurring thing that keeps coming back every year um, in mutated form you know or there'll be some other pandemic we, we don't know this and we don't know whether the sort of draconian lockdown measures that are being enacted right now are ones that are i mean the real fear from a from you know uh, you know society's point of view is that all these and you know look we're doing it for the right reasons for sure but all these all these um freedoms that we're giving up all mm. these new laws that we are allowing the 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 police and the government to to enact upon um i mean a guy got got um he got a thousand dollar fine for eating a, a a kebab on a park bench the other day apparently this was like in the news and in, in, i think it's happened in in melbourne you know he was warned he was given a warning and then he was fined a thousand dollars um so the, the 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 concern is that we are now in a new world when we we may not come out the other side. We this may be what we have to deal with, mm. you know. So I don't know. Do we create spacesuits? Do we create kind of you know atmospherically controlled suits for us to walk around in when we leave our home, um, which may protect us from all manner of of bugs or whatever. Um, is that a solution, or, or do we allow that these 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 new laws, this new world that we are being forced into, to just continue to function? So, you know, then you know, just to focus on one specific situation, which is the one I'm kind of you know mainly concerned with, is then the theatres no longer function as a as a as a business model. The mm. theatre, the cinema chains no longer work you know it's all streaming whether you like it or not mm. you know if you want to if you want to watch movies how we make them god only knows because we can't at the moment we can't even work with a crew yeah. but assuming we get over that you know maybe it's all computer generated i don't i don't know but in terms of how we have to adapt to this new world maybe the cinemas are no longer a viable part of this new world you know um um, you know that's the, that's the concern right now. Yeah. That is the that is the the fear. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit optimistic that there's going to be a level of cinema still existing, and how this how this whole thing will affect it, I don't know. And I yeah, I agree with you with with the the freedoms we're taken away. I mean, you know, I was born in a communist country, and so I have some taste of what real control is, and you know, you do have to be careful because once you hand it over, the freedoms, you know, and 
it depends on how extreme the government is because it's like where I've come from, you know, there was a revolution. A lot of people died and was extremely destructive to the population when they did rise up against an extremely aggressive power. So I think as long as people keep them in check, I think we'll be fine. Um, but, yeah, we just have to be very careful in this, you know, coming six months of how many other things come in where people do things. And, I mean, yeah, and the funny thing is that uh, even though I think the film medium has become a little bit um, passive, like music has. A lot of people listen to music not very actively. And same with the, especially due to like streaming, you have people just watching, you know, they're, they're binge watching and they're not really actively engaged with that that story or their concept. They, they just want to be entertained. Um, you know, and like you said, how are we going to keep producing content if, they, if it gets a lockdown? People are going to start going insane because that's the only thing that's keeping a little bit sane is being able to have access to media and and obviously I mean music. There's a million millions and billions of hours of music that you can stream and listen to, and it's becoming a little bit like that with with um, filmmaking or TV. But then there's a lot of a lot of rubbish on TV as well that people just watch mindlessly. So there's these these two sides that I, I kind of see uh, fighting each other in a way that we're trying to produce, like you said, interesting content, but the, audi the audience, I mean, there's definitely an audience for those kind of films where they want to see original content, but there's a lot that aren't really that interested. They're just happy to watch whatever's on the screen. And so there's that battle as well for us as filmmakers. I think it, there's, a, there's a huge difference between... Um uh, watching something theatrically and watching something at home on your TV, whether mm. it's the same thing or not, also because um, of the whole distraction factor of being in your environment. Um, these days with, uh, I mean, you know, I've got like 10 things open on this screen in front of me. <laughs> you're, you're one of the 10 things. Your face yeah. is one of the 10 things. Um and I'm sure you're the same right now. Um, and, you know, it's so easy to be distracted. Um, you know, the, the theatrical experience, you go into a space mm. and, you know, the room is darkened and, you're yes, you're with a lot of other people. Often they can be incredibly distracting <laughs> in their own way. Um, but, but generally speaking, everyone's there to observe the film. All the sensible people are there to observe the film. Yeah. So you can immerse yourself in that experience. You can be part of that world, of that story. You know, mm. That's much harder to do for most people at home. Yeah. I'm pretty lucky. I've got a great home theatre and I, it's a dedicated room and I, I watch movies down there because I want to have that same or as close to that same experience that I fell in love with, you know. Um, mm. um, but even there, you know, my phone will ring or something will happen and stuff, you know, distractions occur, you know. Um, so so it's a, that's the world we're in, you know, and it, it seems like you can build as, a, as an audience, you can, as a, as a consumer of this product, of this um, content, um, you can create whatever experience you want for yourself, you know. You can turn your phone off, you know, and darken the room and have you have a projector in your lounge room and make sure that it's functioning as a 
you know, as a, as a proper home theater at mm. the time that you watch a movie. Um, some people, you know, many people can do that now. Um, mm. Some people still can't, but many people can. Um, so, so for me, it's, it's about how you, how you experience that content. You know, if you're going to be distracted and watch 10 things at the same time and, you know, you know, flit from one YouTube video to another as soon as it gets boring and as soon as you, something else pops up on your screen or whatever, um, then you're going to have a, you're going to limit, I think, your ability to experience something in its, in its, in its fullness, you know, certainly a feature film mm. in its fullness. And it's, and it's, you know, you mentioned music. Well, you know, I love music. I'm a big music fan as well. Mm. Um, Yes, music is more. Um, a lot of people experience it as, as a background now. It's it's more and more that's that's what music is for people. And you know, I've always done that as well. But I've all also always, if there's a particular album or 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 or, or, mute or track or whatever that I really like, I sit down and I turn off the lights and I listen to the song and I play it on a stereo system. You know. Um, and I, I, again, I immerse myself in that p piece of music. Mm. That's, you know, the percentage of people who do that with music is probably like 0.001%. <laughs> and, and rapidly rapidly decreasing, mm. but it is something that uh, I think it provides a great deal of, of, of benefit to, to the listener, you know. Yeah. The other thing I, I um, feel that... Some filmmakers, I can kind of tell, you know, like you talked about the superhero films that they and, and script writers. I think sometimes they're trying to work within the system, and some films, some of the Marvel films, because yeah, I, I love cinema all all across the board. I'm not a genreist. I like everything, and and you know, and I like to be inspired. and And I've watched, you know, pretty much most of the Marvel movies and and Disney action movies or whatever they've come out. And some of them, I can tell that they're trying to embed something, work within the system to put some messaging in there. Some are blatantly too obvious and ridiculous and over the top as far as how they put messaging into the films. Um, but, you know, I, th I think that's one way of maybe getting audiences to hear, you know, a, a, some kind of message. But, I mean, yeah, and... And at least you can do that with feature films, and like you said, in cinemas you can at least still embrace embrace the whole story and embrace some some of the meanings behind it. Um, so I, I guess that's where the um, that's where it would be a real shame to lose cinema to that level. And obviously, there is going to be a percentage of people that will watch it, and then you can get a much bigger screen. You know, you can buy a 70, 80 inch, you know, flat screen that weighs like you know a paperweight. <laughs> and uh, you know, so people can watch it in in good quality, and and experience it. But yeah, it's that's that's where that I'm. I, I I see that people are still trying, which is beautiful in a way. But on the other hand, like, like the the financiers who don't give a shit at all about um, the creative and and like you said, originality. That's where the risk factor is at the moment. And, and right now, that's taken. Well yeah yeah the the big problem i mean hollywood has always been a bit like that mm. i mean you know hollywood has always been a industry that encourages uh films that are going to make the money you know they're they're investors you know they're people who they don't want to lose money on films. Mm. 
It's just how they go about making the money that is the thing that's changed, you mm -hmm. know. Um, this is, you know, and this is to do with industry generally, not just the film industry, but since the GFC and probably before that, this is when I first became aware of it, probably the turn of the century, I'd say, people became obsessed with being the big profit. You know, fear started creeping in. If you don't, in terms of all these executives, if you don't make the big profit, you're going to lose your job, you know. So uh, originality was seen as something that was dangerous. It was a gamble. You know, you don't want to gamble on original stuff. Let's just remake stuff. Remake stuff mm. or do sequels or let's build these things called franchises. You know, the franchise in movies, mm. the word franchise was only used in terms of McDonald's or, you know, <laughs> yeah. burger chains. You know, it was never used for movies until maybe Marvel appeared on the on the scene, you know. Mm. I mean, you know, James Bond, the 007 movies were was a franchise, but no one ever used that term, you know. It just happened organically. It became a franchise, mm. you know. Um, you know, since in the last 10 years, you know, people have been, all they've been actively interested in doing is if it's not a um, uh, already part of a franchise, it's how do you, how do you build new franchises? You mm. know, that's all they really care about, about it. So if you make a big original movie, it's got to be designed to for the story to carry on because that's kind of the way movies are supposed to be you know mm. um so so th that's that's the that's become the problem is it's not so much that um you know you got to you got to be clever to get your your message through the medium out there um or to make intelligent movies within the genre framework because that's something that Hollywood has always done mm. and something that, you know, I mean, I'm used to that. I, that's what I do, you know. I, I'm, that's why I make science fiction because science fiction for me is a great genre to uh, that can function on one level for people who only want that surface level but can also work on a far deeper level philosophically uh, and, 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 and express all these interesting ideas um and kind of focus on meaning and 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 stuff that is you know interesting to 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 me and other people who look for that kind of thing you know mm. um so so you know that's 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 a given and that's that's why i you know i in particular speaking just for myself for a moment why i embraced you know hollywood as a way to make movies because i could make those sorts of movies you know i mean mm. um I got to make a few of those films, um, but now you can't do that. Now it's it's so um, screwed down that it's really hard. You know, whatever you 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 know, whatever you meaning or whatever social commentary or whatever you see in the movies these days is there. That the the producers and the studio are, are absolutely aware of it. In fact, they're not just aware of it. Uh, engineering it because they they they've decided or they've realized that you know you can make more money out of a film if it has a social aspect to it you mm. know um, so I, I don't I don't put those films in, into the same league as the films that I grew up on you know I was lucky enough to grow up during the 70s that's when I fell in love with movies where I took movies like you know the Godfather and the Exorcist and 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 um, you know Dog Day Afternoon as the as and Network as the given as the norm, right? Mm. 
they're the sort of movies they grew up with and went, well, that's the that's the quality level of films that that I that I hope to make, you know, and yeah. and you know I'm expected to make, you know. Hmm. Well, you know, these days they don't exist. Those sorts of movies don't exist anymore, yeah. you know. Um, um, so that was a pretty high benchmark. I was just um, kind of fooled into thinking that that would kind of continue, and that's the sort of movies that that Hollywood would be. Uh, would continue to, to make, you know. Mm. I, I think there's going to be an eventual rejection to those kind of, you know, like you said, the the exhaustion of, of superhero movies and, and things like that. And, and I think it, I, I've seen a few newer films where they, they are explored. Yeah, they didn't have the chance to, you know, shine because they didn't get to come out in cinemas and stuff and only on the streamers. But I think those films will eventually start creeping back in. That's you know I'm being optimistic a little bit, but I think people will start looking for new things. And you know even the some of the um, Netflix series, a lot of the European series that they've got on there, they've they've got very interesting, you know, topical, a lot of you know science fiction, and you know they they kind of uh, crossbreed between like a superhero thing or you know time travel, but with a lot of interesting topics in it um you know one particular series i watched was um dark which is a um a german tv series that's sort of a science fiction but there's actually a lot of real real underlying stuff pretty dark stuff but very interesting there's, there's no que- there's no question there's no question that that, that it, you know more interesting stuff is happening on on the streamers, there's no mm. absolutely uh, the, the 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 fact, you know. Mm. Um, but there's also no question that none nothing interesting is being done outside of independent mm. filmmaking um, on the big screen in 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 Hollywood, you mm. know. Um, I mean, you know, the Joker was something that everyone held up as being, you know, wow, here it is, finally a movie like Taxi Driver, and, yeah, you know, and yeah. it's like, yes, it's a movie like Taxi Driver, but it's got a guy with Joker makeup on it, you mm. know. Um, now, if you'd taken a Joker makeup off him, um, it would and made the movie exactly the way it was. I guarantee you, the movie would not have been a huge success, mm. right? Yeah. And called a Taxi Driver Two, the movie would not have been a huge success. It would yeah. have been a marginal film. The movie being exactly as it is, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever. You, and I still haven't seen the movie to this day, but whatever you consider the movie to be, would still be exactly the same quality-wise. But it would, but without the Joker makeup, without that franchise, without that, you know, IP in place to make people want to go and see it, the movie would not have worked. Would not have been the big, you know, successful movie that that it, that it, commercial movie that it was. You know, so that's the level of of original experimentation that goes on in movies right now. Mm. To make an actual Taxi Driver, like a new Taxi Driver, would have been a, a challenge to make that successful would have been a huge challenge i'm sure yeah you're right in at cinemas we haven't really seen anything yeah original like well, not for a while anyway i mean luckily over here where i live in uh, brisbane there's a cinema chain I, I hope they survive because the people that own it uh you know they're passionate about screening films so you know their ticket prices are like um i think during the day they're like seven bucks six bucks and and um you know they're all they they were always huge even when i was living in brisbane 20 years ago and um you know and those chains like i think there's there's that as well maybe that with cinema 
those kind of people will survive, the ones that are still passionate about screening films. But if there is no content for them to screen that's original, well, I guess they're stuck with like everyone else. Um, so I guess that begs a question, like, where do we go from here as filmmakers? How do we, how do we take that next step to try and make original content and get it out there? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, firstly, I, I don't know. And, I mean, look, we, we have to be realistic, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to be hopeful and optimistic, and that's what I always, what I always try to be. But mm. we also have to be realistic because yeah. part of the problem is, uh, filmmakers, artists generally have been so fucking naive over the years mm. about the commerciality of what they're doing. Um, and, you know, I say that with, with, with great love <laughs> in my heart because yeah. I've been like that too and I, I understand it, you know. Young filmmakers in particular, young artists in particular, can't wait to be exploited by the by the machine that's going to make a lot of money off them. <laughs> off them, this happens with you know with with music as well, big mm. time. And I've seen I've seen that firsthand how exploited these artists are. You know, we have to be realistic. You know, we have to know the world that we're living in and the world that we're about to be living in, mm. and we have to realize that uh, as much as you know. Uh, Look, I love the idea of the cinema that you've just described in in Brisbane. Um, we used to have some cinemas like that here in Sydney. We had a great cinema called the Valhalla, mm. which um, ran for many years and again was around through all my formative years of going through film school, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I used to they used to have like midnight to dawn film festivals and of like Fellini movies, you know. <laughs> and I'd go and camp camp out there all night, you know. Um, and and watch watch Fellini endless Fellini movies etc. Um, that model doesn't work anymore. Mm. Okay, it doesn't work on any level, mm. right? Sadly, you know, I mean, I'm horrified at this, but it's the reality. Yeah. Um, and we have to face the reality, as I say. Yeah. Look, I I I think we've got to be realistic, and and so the model doesn't work anymore. You know, I I used to I used to live in hope that we would be post this um this uh this um superhero cycle that when the 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 um the big multiplexes and i and I, don't, I don't particularly care for multiplexes to tell you the truth i actually find them loud and and obnoxious you know <laughs> i actually like i like single screen theaters the best mm. you know um being in having lived in los angeles over the years they actually still maintain a lot of these very beautiful old movie palaces from the you know the the deco era and to mm. me that's the ultimate way to watch a movie you know um uh so so <clears throat> i was hoping that once the multiplexes had died because of um superhero um superhero itis um that, that that we would come out the other end and we would end up with these little boutique you know theaters rep type art house whatever you want to call them like the old days of the Valhalla and the theatre that you've described in Brisbane, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, unfortunately, now, though, we're, we're faced with another problem, which is that, and, you know, this happened with, this is happening with bookshops, you know, like, mm. the, or, you know, the, 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 the online um, business of buying books online has meant that bookshops have got to become more 
a kind of a, a focus for kind of events and you know writers speak uh, talking and etc cetera, etc cetera. so i was hoping the movies movies would end up in the same down going down the same track you know mm. um which would be fine but through this pandemic that we're going through right now at the other end as i say i'm quite we, we still don't know what the other end is if there is another end what that other end is going to look like my concern is that a lot of these cinemas will not survive like so <clears throat> mm. like so many other businesses you know a lot of these cinemas won't survive because they just literally won't be able to afford their rent um mm. to keep their staff etc cetera, etc cetera, over the over the next few months mm. you know um so that's that's the real concern right now so i think you know you ask what the future holds and look who knows um i i i i want I want us all to prepare. I want filmmakers and artists of all sorts to to prepare as best we can. You know, we're in the we're in the the bunker at the moment, but I think we need to keep um, leaving the lines of communication open, which is why I'm doing things like this podcast with you and why I'm doing the live, my live stream tomorrow. Um, I want to leave the lines of communication open and I want us all to keep talking about this stuff and mm. trying to find some solutions um, because we need to find them. You know, we can't we can't wait to see what the world is going to be like. We have to, you know, we have to imagine, we have to conjecture what it's going to be like and make plans for that future. Mm. I know that the 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 difficulty, the main difficulty is going to be collaborating with with other artists to make stuff, right? That's right now the the biggest challenge we have. So we've got to work out other ways of doing that, you know. Um, some version of what you and I are doing right now maybe makes some kind of a sense if there's some sort of online way of creating, you know, not just blabbing but of actually making something, mm. you know. Um, I don't know how that's feasible with it when you're working mm. with actors, et cetera. I have no idea but I... But I hope someone smarter than me can start coming up with some some ideas. And as I say, if we can leave the lines of communication open and actually reach out and make more lines of communication happen through through online, um, I think uh, hopefully we'll start coming up with some some clues to our to surviving this madness and 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 moving on into the future. Yeah, you've recently converted your studio into a full green screen system, and you know. Um there are ways to like there you could link up with somebody else um if you had green i mean i'm not a huge fan of green screen i love real real world situation kind of cinematography but that's a cinematographer talking you know and uh and but like if you if you can link up people where where the script is there and, and you can they can set it up I mean, lighting and picture is all important, so you still need those extra people. I'm purely talking about the current situation entirely. I think down the track, um, that can still apply because then in the future when we can start getting back together uh, shooting films, um, you can kind of do that across across the line if, you, if you're utilising green screen or now starting to do now real-time uh, back... Well, the old ways you would have dealt with, which is back projection, but now they've got giant LED screens so that, that you can actually put images behind it and you can get it all in the camera. And if you did that 
like online where you're connected where the director can be in one place you know then the actor in another studio and these little studio spaces are set up where actors can come in do their scenes um that's one way of potentially doing something about the, about it, what we what we're situation we're in now um and i know there's been a few productions like smaller you know like uh, i think more commercial based uh, tv commercial based projects where there's small crews still shooting things so that's you know that's one way of potentially tackling some the situation right now and you know i mean as far as writing there's no excuse you know writing you should be able to write wherever and whenever um but it's yeah producing that content um that's sort of the way i i kind of see a potential um and just well well let, let me let me um let me uh address some of that stuff you said a lot of stuff that i think is 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 uh has all sorts of questions about it you mm. know um firstly you've got to get rid of the idea of being anti green screen because oh, yeah. the green screen <laughs> no, no. is is a <laughs> yeah i know i'm just kidding is what is the solution mm. is partly the solution to this problem right yeah. um uh and beyond green screen as you've also said there is a new video screen technology which we can't really afford in this country yet, <laughs> no. but we're, we're, we're working on it, okay, yeah. and we will get there. Not many people can afford it. Mm. But like everything else, it will come down in price and we'll, we will be doing it and you'll start seeing studios. I'm hoping mine will be the first one that employs that technology. Nice. Um, I, I, built the studio, I built this studio called Heretic Foundation as a – way before this pandemic, well, not way before, like six months ago, which mm. seemed like another time – time and another world you know it seemed like an alien planet six months ago but it was only six months ago um i've been looking at doing it for a while and and i've and i finally started doing it six months ago i've, I've found a space I've, and i've turned it into a studio and and put in put in most of the technology before this um crisis hit and we'd actually had shot uh, i've shot some of these little s films and i've also we also had just finished a shooting a 20-minute short film to really put the 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 studio through through its paces while this pandemic was was starting to ramp up. Mm. You know, we we just managed to get it done, quite frankly, before everyone had to go off <laughs> yeah. and self-isolate. Um, the studio is uh, is small because it doesn't need to be any bigger. I can create whatever space I want to in there. It's limited by the area that the actors have to work in which is more than enough for most dramatic scenes mm. um and and uh, and it's integrated so that all the technology works together so you can actually shoot uh post do the vfx do the edit and do the sound all in the one small f dedicated facility you know mm. and the whole idea is that you never have to leave this one space apart from going off to capture background if you do you know, digital scans of backgrounds or photographic or whatever you want, whatever you want to do. You know, but that's one person and a camera or some sort of scanning device. You know, mm. um, so the whole idea is for this was that's what the technology is allowing us to do, and that's bringing down the 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 price of production, the cost of production, in the the number of crew. You're dealing with a much smaller crew. Mm. <clears throat> you're dealing with a um, uh, uh, a, a, a much tighter shooting schedule and with technology that, that's all kind of like, you know, affordable technology. I haven't gone with, you know, 
uh, expensive camera gear I've gone with, like Blackmagic pocket cameras that shoot 6K, et cetera, mm. et cetera. You know, so it's all streamlined to the point where the cost of production can come way down. We can shoot an entire feature. In fact, we started budgeting a feature before this crisis hit. Um, and we worked out you know, we could shoot a, a feature film in this space at a very high quality. We could shoot it in six weeks, right? Um, now, that's great, and that was, I say, that was the battle plan before the crisis, but you still need to be working in a room with a group of a bunch of people. Mm, mm. If you want actors, there's no way you can have the actors do their shots remotely. I mean, it's mm. just it's just not going to work, you know, mm. um, unless everyone has the lighting plan or whatever, you know. Um, the only thing that might work is some kind of computer-generated version of that mm. um, so that acts can still drive the, the, the characters, but you're directing it uh, remotely um, and all the actors are in their own remote locations, you mm. know? Yeah. Um, and you've got your DP, the guy who's designing the lighting in another remo- in their own remote location. Um, you've got all the all the different facets of the shooting crew in different areas, different places, you know. Um, that might work. But, of course, someone's going to build what that thing is, what mm. that technology is. Now, someone will eventually do that, um, yeah. particularly if, as I say, this... The crisis goes on forever, you know. If this, if this is in fact the world, if we're already in the new paradigm, if we're already in the new world right now, this mm. is what it's going to be like. You know? So businesses have just got to adapt to to that way. And yes, yeah. there will always be a desire for filmed video dramatic content. Always storytelling will always be something that audiences want, but. How do we make it? That's mm. what we need to work out. You know, yeah. how do we make it if that world continues? Yeah, that's a some really good points there, and I think um, you've uh, yeah you've touched on some really good ideas. And um, we've almost come to the end of the uh, chat. So one final fun question: What's a favorite film that you just love to watch over and over again? I don't really have a favorite film. I've got a lot of favorite films. Um, uh, you know, and it's always it's very hard to pick the, the one. You know, <laughs> yeah. I I really can't. Yeah, same. I really can't do it. Um, I, I and it and it changes constantly. It changes mm. like the wind. You know, I I, I have um, uh, you know, I look, the two films that made me want to be a filmmaker were Lawrence of Arabia and Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey, and they're still films that I go back to and I still enjoy. There you go. But I tend to go back and and like. Once I watched 2001, I end up watching the entire box set of all of Kubrick's films, <laughs> yep. um, and enjoying them all, enjoying them all all over again. You know, yeah. so I tend to go with, with directors rather than with individual titles. You yeah. Know? All right. Well, thanks very much for coming on and then chatting to you about and some in- insights into what where we're at and uh, where you're at. And um, yeah, all the best with your current one that's in post production. I assume. Remote post-production. Remote post-production. An interesting way to do it. Yeah, so I look forward to seeing that on YouTube once it's up. And, yeah, keep keep putting that content. It's wonderful. I think you're, you know, one thing that um, that we touched on a little bit is that a lot of filmmakers keep very secretive about their projects, and I think that's one of the solutions to get people to come watch stuff is build a fan base. And I think you're doing that through your channel where people are starting to, 
follow you, watch the work you do. So when you do release, a, you know, either just a, an essay that you kind of do or, or a short film. And I think um, that's great. So I think keep going with it. I think it's a great thing to have in, the, in that field, in the YouTube world. It's, I know there's a lot of stuff on there, but I think it's great that you're doing that. Well, well, thank you, Peter. Thank you very much. And it's been lovely to talk to you. And uh, I, I, I urge you to do the same. Keep doing your stuff. So that's all we can do. All right. Cheers, mate. Well, that was Alex Proyas. And uh, look out for him on his YouTube channel. And hopefully he gets to make another amazing film, as I've really enjoyed all his films he's made. And next week we have Jacinta Long, who's a art director and production designer who's worked on some amazing uh, films like um, Alien Covenant, uh, Night Flyers, the Netflix TV series. So make sure to come and listen and get a perspective from you know a different angle in filmmaking. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, talk to you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.